How's everybody doing today? You guys good? Yeah, it is. This is a great day. Child dedication, chili cook-off, and like uh, Jesse said, even if you didn't plan to come, stick around as long as you can. There's plenty of chili. We've got like 10 crockpots. I was thinking, can you smell it yet? It's hard with a mask, right? I don't have a mask. I'm not sure if you can yet. Like the circulation's so good in this building. I'm shocked that we can't. I thought we'd just be like inundated with like this aroma of chili by now. And we'd all be like, you know, not thinking about a word that I'm saying and constantly be thinking about like, wow, I wonder who's going to win the chili cook-off. Anyway, but please join us. Uh, if you didn't make plans too, we got plenty of stuff. So we'd love for you to come. Wow. You know, Thanksgiving though, okay, is less than two weeks away. Can you believe it? Less than two weeks, like a week and a half, right? And for many of us, it will mean another round of navigating time with family, all right? And let's face it, I mean, that can make the holidays sort of tricky, am I right? Am I the only one? Some of you are saying, yeah, it makes it a little bit tricky. Okay, uh, you know, I remember one of the first times I went to my wife's family for Thanksgiving dinner. And, you know, I'd been there for other celebrations, and the food was just, I mean, out of this world, okay? Uh, this side of her family is uh, mostly of Mexican heritage, and so, man, when we get together, we would have some of the very best tamales, rice and beans, enchiladas. I'm getting hungry just saying those words out loud. And so, you know, I, like, could not wait to join them for Thanksgiving dinner and to see how they spice up, like a traditional Thanksgiving meal, turkey, mashed potatoes and gravy, cornbread dressing, sweet potato casserole. Jesse, I'm with you on the sweet potato casserole. You know, just swimming in, like, melted marshmallows and brown sugar. Are you guys with me or what? Everybody's hungry now, right? All right, so I'm thinking, this is going to be phenomenal, right? But when we arrived, much to my surprise and my dismay, no sweet potato casserole, no cornbread dressing, no mashed potatoes and gravy. There wasn't even turkey. They had ham. I mean, how, I, mean I was appalled. How can you do Thanksgiving without turkey? Thank goodness I didn't say anything. I would have got kicked out of her family for sure. Oh, but, well, they did have pumpkin pie, so, you know, finally by the time it come, came to dessert, you know, it was finally starting to start, feel a little more like Thanksgiving. But you know what? As we gather with our family in the weeks to come, I think each of us will probably experience the holidays and family uh, in a different way, right? It's going to be different for all of us. And for some of us, it will probably be a reminder maybe of, um, of grief and loss. Uh, we'll miss some folks. And we'll look for those moments of joy with family, right? Recognizing that it may not be that lighthearted, might not be as much fun as it was in the past. Um, others of us will experience holidays filled, I mean, just with all kinds of hope and laughter. Uh, and some might run into missed expectations, maybe even like no turkey, I don't know. But, you know, I think that's part of the beauty and complexity of family. You know, one of the, one of the prominent metaphors for the church in Scripture is family. Did you know that? Yeah, one of the prominent metaphors in Scripture for the church is family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? So just take a minute and, and look at the folks around you, okay? Maybe in front of you, behind you, beside you. Go ahead, it's okay. We won't be weird about it, but just, just look around because this is your family, okay? So I hope you like it. You are stuck. That's all I'm saying, okay? But you know what? Sometimes family can be quirky and difficult. Sometimes family can just be downright quirky and difficult. I mean, this season, the last, what, two years, I mean, it's been tough. And as a church, we've been through unprecedented times. Uh, we went months without gathering in person, right? Over a year. Uh, we've had staff transitions. We've had people move away. We've had to make, uh, you know, a couple of moves physically, right, that thankfully led us right here to Lincoln Hall, yes. But, I mean, it's been quirky. It's been hard. Our family has been through a lot. But you know what? I just want to say, in spite of all the challenges that I think we've faced over the past couple of years, 
man, I, I couldn't be more proud of what I see God doing in and through us. And I mean that. Like, I just sense that God is really up to something special. And I just see him at work in so many of your lives and in our small groups and how we're serving in significant ways. And I just want to tell you, like, if I can, as your pastor, I just am really proud. And I don't mean that of me. It's not about me or anybody on staff. It's really about us together and what God is doing through us. Um, and so today I want to talk about how the church plays a critically important role in this story that we've been talking about, about King Jesus and his kingdom community. But to start, let me just make sure you understand what I'm talking about when I say church, okay? Because church is not a building, all right? Thankfully, or we would be in big trouble because we don't have our own building, right? Church is not a service either, all right? The church is what? The church is people. And in this true story of King Jesus and his kingdom community, the kingdom community is the church, You've heard us use that phrase, kingdom community, right? Well, in this story of Jesus and his kingdom community, the church is the kingdom community. But why do we need the church? I mean, why is it so important? Well, I'd answer that question with three simple words about how God works, okay? With, among, and through. With, among, and through. Make sense? Everybody got it? Okay, let's pray. We're done. I'm kidding. Some of you got a little too happy, all right? We're not done. But the first reason the church is so important has to do with that first word, with. That first word, with. God has always chosen to be present with a people. Did you know that? God has always chosen to be present with a people. Now, we see this in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay, so if we back up all the way to the Garden of Eden before the fall, God was present with Adam and Eve, okay? Back in Genesis, God was present with Adam and Eve. And then when God set his plan of restoration in motion by choosing a people, the, the nation of Israel, he chose, to be, he chose to be present with them in the tabernacle. And then a little bit later on, he chose to be present with them in the temple. And then Jesus comes to earth to be present with his people. Jesus is called Emmanuel, which means what? Help me out. Right, God with us. And then after Jesus dies and, and comes back to life and returns to the Father, the church becomes the new people of God, the kingdom community where God is present with us through the Holy Spirit. And finally, we look forward to a time when we will dwell with God for all eternity in a renewed creation. From Genesis to Revelation in about 30 seconds. How about that? But do you see how God desires to be with us? Do you see that? Give me a nod of the head. Do you see that? God desires to actually be with us. He wants to be present with his people. And God's desire has always been to have a kingdom community. A Scottish minister, George MacLeod, says the Bible is all about community. The Bible is all about community from the Garden of Eden to the city at the end. You see, from the very beginning to the very end, God's desire was and is to be in community, like, like a family, with us. I mean, think, think of Jesus for a moment, all right? When Jesus walked among us, he did so with a community of people, right? He appointed 12 close followers so that they might be what? With him. And so the answer to the question, why church, is this, okay? The answer to the question, why church, is this. It is God's presence with us here, okay, that makes a place and a space for him to be known in our world. Think about that. It's God's presence with us here that makes a place and a space for him to be known in our world. 
And so the first reason the church is so important is that God has always chosen to be present with a community of people. You know, it kind of makes me think of my relationship with my own kids. You know, they both live on the East Coast, about 800 miles from here. Now, thank goodness for, you know, for technology. I can call them, I can text them, or I can FaceTime them at the moment's notice, right? Any time. But the truth is, I, I love to be with them. You know, it's, it's just not quite the same. I love to be in their presence, face-to-face, most of the time, but almost all the time. <laughs> you know, I just like to be with them. And you see, in the same way, our Heavenly Father, God, wants to be with us. He wants to be with His children, with His people, with His church. So that's the first reason. The second reason the church is so important has to do with this word among. Among. You see, God works among us when we gather as his people. Think about that. God works among us when we gather as his people. You know, the Apostle Paul speaks to us about the church and he uses some very vivid language. And as I read this, I want you to remember, this is who we are, okay? Paul wrote this centuries ago, but it still applies to us. And he's saying, you know, as the church, this is who you are, okay? Three metaphors. See if you can pick out the metaphors as we read this together. Here we go, all right? Paul writes, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens. There's one. You're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. That's two. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building, that's three, is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You see, Paul uses three metaphors, right? He uses the metaphor of citizens, household, building, to make his point that you are to be built up together. Together. Here's the deal. You see, so much of the transformation that God wants to do in your life happens when we are together and God chooses to work among us. Don't miss that. So much of the transformation that God wants to do in your life happens when we're together and God just works in a way that he doesn't work when we're by ourselves. I'm a part of two different small groups. One's a men's group that meets on Thursday mornings. And, you know, we're all at different places in our spiritual journey, and, and each of us are going through various challenges as we navigate life and figure out what it looks like to, you know, keep Jesus on the throne and not someone or something else. And, you know, I could tell you some of the stories of, of all the different guys in that group. I'm not going to break any confidences, but, you know, one of the guys recently moved to Colorado after he retired. And, and before he moved, I mean, he had leadership responsibilities that would probably keep any of us awake at night. And his life has changed dramatically. Now he's kind of just trying to figure out what's next. Uh, another one of the guys in the group runs in uh, political circles, and he's trying to you know, learn what it looks like to be a Christ follower first you know, and, and keep his political loyalties second or third or fourth or wherever they b- might belong. Uh, another guy's going through a really tough season relationally, and, and he was telling me the other day how this group has made a world of difference as he walks through this season and then he said this to me, he said, John, you know, there's something that happens when we're together that keeps me headed in the right direction. And you see, that something is the way God works among us. Do you get that? 
that something that he's talking about is the way God works among us. And, and let's be honest, I mean, for us to truly become the kingdom of God, the community that God wants us to become, it's going to require significant investment of time from all of us. And you see, the notion that you can follow Jesus apart from his church is simply false. The notion that you can fully follow Jesus apart from his church is false. It takes an investment of time. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Hall, a communication professor at the University of Kansas, published research about how time invested impacts the closeness of a friendship. Does that make sense? He did this research and, and talked that where he looked at how time invested impacts the closeness of a friendship. And in general, he found out that it took 40 to 60 hours to form a casual friendship. It takes 40 to 60 hours to form a casual friendship, but between 160 to 200 hours to become really good friends. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, time spent together was a key predictor of friendship closeness. But the type of activity also made a difference. Time spent at work or in class together usually predicted lower closeness. But time being together hanging out without an agenda predicted higher closeness. And then he found out that the kind of talk well together was also important. Small talk about things like sports, pets, or movies predicted lower closeness over time. Yeah, guys, I think we're in trouble. <laughs> but what he called striving talk about what was actually happening in, happening in people's lives led to greater closeness. Not really surprising. Now, the 160 to 200 hours, that was a little bit surprising. That's a lot, right? But I think it, the study kind of tells us what we already knew deep down, that if we don't give these relationships time and if we don't do go deep, we could miss out on the redemptive work that God wants to do among us. Does that make sense? I mean, Jesus said, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. See, there's just something fundamentally different about how Jesus is present or among us when we're together as opposed to when we're by ourselves all alone. And that's why, you know, throughout this series, we've stressed the importance and that following Jesus involves more than just a personal decision. It involves a commitment to God's community, His kingdom. And part of that commitment is coming together for worship and teaching and communion like Christians have for centuries. I mean, it's a regular time. This right here, what we're experiencing right now is a regular time where we expect Jesus to be present among us. So I want to encourage you and challenge you. When, you. when you show up here, come expectant. Like expect God to do something. Expect Jesus to be here in a way that's different than when you're by yourself. And I got to tell you, I don't think this means once or twice a month. I mean, I think it's as often as you possibly can. I'll just tell you, for me personally, I'm not doing so well spiritually or personally that I can just kind of pick and choose and occasionally show up once in a while. I need it as much and as often as I possibly can. Well, here's another reason why the church is so important, and it's this. God works through us when we live as his kingdom community. God works through us when we live as his kingdom community. Uh, take a look at what it looked like when the first church formed, okay? I'm going to put this scripture on the screen. I want you to look at this, and as I read it, I want you to take note of how you see God at work through his people. What most impresses you? What, what in this makes you say, I want some more of that, okay? Would you do that? All right, let's, let's look at this together. Those who accepted his message, this is Peter, the apostle. He had just spoke, he just preached. 
Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. That's incredible. All right, we're going to have a baptism here coming up on December 5th during the service. So for a couple people, not quite 3,000, but, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll get there, all right? That would take a while, wouldn't it? I mean, how do you baptize that many people? Wow. Anyway, now, now I'm stuck on thinking about that. 3,000, like, I don't, I don't know. Anyway. But they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day. We think like once a week's a lot. This is every day. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know the word together is in there three times. Three times. But what an amazing community. I mean, God was at work through them in so many incredible ways. I mean, huge numbers of people were finding their way back to God and were getting baptized. Like I said, 3,000. They met together every day publicly in the temple courts and in their homes, and they devoted themselves to, to learning and growing and praying together. That sounds like small groups, doesn't it? And this kingdom community was in awe of the wonders and miracles happening among them. They shared everything they had. I mean, some people even sold stuff to make sure that nobody was in need. They ate together and praised God for what he was doing among them. We're going to do that right after the service, eat together. We got that one down pat, I think. And God's work through them was so attractive, so appealing, that they enjoyed the favor of all the people. And every day people were choosing to follow Jesus and become a part of this, what I would call, irresistible community. I mean, this was a church that even outsiders couldn't help but like. You know, last month we hosted a free fall fest in Oz Park for the families of our community. Uh, Lizzie and her team put that together. I mean, you know, we had a bouncy house, face painting, games, crafts, of course, food and drink for everybody. And it was so fun. Dozens of families who, before that day, knew nothing about Community Christian Church, gathered in the park on that Saturday, Saturday morning and just had an incredible time. So much fun. And I couldn't have been more proud of our volunteers that day. I mean, people, you guys were so kind and warm and loving and graceful. And okay, that might seem like a meager comparison to what we're talking about here. But I will tell you on that day, it was clear that God was at work through us. And I just wonder if maybe, just maybe, it was a small glimpse of what it looks like to enjoy the favor of all the people. Because that morning, man, I mean, people noticed, they asked questions, they were saying, so who is this church that... that is bringing so much joy to our community on this Saturday morning? Can, is there a fee for this? Do we got to pay for this? Kind of make a donation? You know, that kind of stuff. And I love how Luke describes this community in verse 46. He writes that they were doing what they were doing with glad and sincere hearts. They were doing what they were doing with glad and sincere hearts. I mean, there was just a joy and like an authenticity about what they were doing together that was, it was contagious. And I, I honestly believe that we're seeing glimpses of that right here at Community. There's a joy, there's a contagious kind of gladness about what's happening. And you know, as I was working on this talk, I read where one Scottish pastor, this kind of cracked me up, used to say that it would help the church more than anything else if Christians would do a Bonnie thing. 
A bonnie thing, B-O-N-N-I-E. Okay, I have to ask, can anybody do a Scottish accent? Anybody? <laughs> Nobody can do a Scottish accent? I so want to hear somebody say bonnie thing with a Scottish accent. <laughs> Nobody's going to be brave enough to do that. Okay, because I'm like, I'm Googling, you know, Scottish accent. What does it sound like? And you move your tongue to the roof of your mouth. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. But I did wonder, what in the world is a bonnie thing? Does anybody know? Anybody know? All right, well, my good friend Google, like I said, helped me discover that in Scotland, if you want to refer to something winsome and beautiful, you might say it is a bonnie thing. I know, you're all going to go out today and say, oh my, that was fun, that was a bonnie thing, right? Probably not. <laughs> but, but let's be honest, folks. I mean, the church has some PR work to do. The church has some PR work to do. And I don't mean, I don't mean community specifically, but the church in general. And so we've got to own that. I'm not sure most people would consider us a Bonnie thing. And that makes me sad. And I think it makes, I think it makes God sort of sad too. But yeah, I believe we are a Bonnie thing. And we certainly can be when we let God work through us as only he can. Let's be a Bonnie thing, huh? Somebody figure out how to say that with a Scottish accent. Come back next week and train us all. You see, the church plays a critically important role in the story we've been telling of King Jesus and his kingdom community. And it's why we would love for you to find your home here at Community Christian Church. And, and, and we believe that there are three connections that are so vital to help you live out this idea of Jesus being with us, among us, and working through us. Three connections. And we want you to develop deep connections here. Deep connections with God, with each other, the church, and with the world. All right? We want you to develop deep connections with God, with each other, and with the world. So what does that look like? Real quick here, okay? Uh, what does it look like? How do we connect with God in a deeper way? Well, we do that when we spend time with him regularly, when we're walking through scripture, you know, we're reading on our own and we're praying or, or maybe even journaling. And we do that together when we worship here on Sundays or celebrate online or in the 3C community. See, God is with us in those places. That's what it looks like to deepen that connection with God. That's so vital. We connect with the church or, or each other. We do that in small groups or when we serve on ministry teams. I mean, small groups are, in a lot of ways, where the real stuff of community happens. I mean, it's where we commit those 160 to 200 hours with other people to go deep relationally. It's where we pray for each other, encourage each other, and hold each other accountable to, to, to the growth that we want to see happen in our lives. Ministry teams, that's where we learn to get outside of ourselves and use the gifts that God has given us to serve each other in the church. See, it's in these places that God works among us in ways that he simply does it when we're on our own, when we're by ourselves. And then finally, we connect with the world and we live out what we call the blessed practices. And if you've been at community for any time at all, you're familiar with these. And it's an acrostic that helps us Follow the example of Jesus who blessed the people and places he encountered every day. We begin with prayer. Pray for people that we come into contact with, our neighbors, our friends, our family. We, we listen, we eat together, we serve in loving and practical ways. And then at some point, we look for an opportunity to tell our story, the difference that King Jesus has made in our lives. We can also connect with the world when we join one of our community cares teams, when we support our global partners, when we give back to God. You see, these are all ways that God works through us, his community, to make a difference in the world. And community is all about us deepening and strengthening these three connections. Deep, if I could ask you to remember anything, this is what it looks like. 
to thrive in community, to, to grow in your relationship with Christ and each other. Deepen these relationships with God, with each other in the church, and with the world. This is, what, this is who we believe God wants us to be and what we think he wants us to do. And so while we recognize that everybody is on a journey of their own and each journey is unique to yourself, we will always challenge you to find your way back to God and to take next steps to deepen those connections. All right, I want to wrap up with a story about two guys. Their names are Gary and Randy. And uh, Gary and Randy worked together at a furniture delivery company. Uh, Gary would often lift one end of the couch and Randy would lift the other end, but they enjoyed working together. Oftentimes, though, people would say, you know, these, you two kind of look alike. And they pretty much just chalked that up to coincidence. But uh, Randy had been researching his family history and found out that he was adopted. He learned that both of his parents had died, but they'd had another son born on June 10th, 1974. And then on another furniture delivery run, a customer once again commented on how much Randy and Gary looked alike. And so Randy started nonchalantly asking Gary questions, personal questions, like, so when, when is your birthday? As soon as he said his birthday, I knew Gary said that, or Randy said that Gary is my brother. Incredible story. They'd grown up in neighboring towns and attended rival schools, one year apart in age, and never knew about each other. It was such a shock to them. Phenomenal, said Gary. I still can't wrap my head around it. A co-worker, Greg Berry, said there's nothing like family, especially when you don't have one. Now they've got it. Uh, but that's not all. After their story appeared in a local paper, a woman, teary-eyed woman, showed up at the brother's workplace with a birth certificate in hand. Turns out she was their half-sister, born five or six years before the two men to the same mother. And she said, after all these years, I finally found my brothers. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Incredible. And you know, my, my prayer is that um, you will have a similar experience here at Community. Yeah, my prayer is that you will have a similar experience here. That as we give ourselves to this church and take our place in God's kingdom community, we too will discover that people we thought were strangers are actually brothers and sisters. That we are family. And remember, God's presence is with us. And he wants to work among us so that he can make a difference through us. Um, so welcome to church. <laughs> welcome to the family. All right? All right, let's pray. Father God, um, God, we come to you today and we're so grateful for that you are a God that has from the beginning of time desired to be with us, to have a kingdom community. Uh, that you work among us, God, in, in just remarkable ways that... It's just different than when we're on our own by ourselves, that you created us to live in community, in relationship with each other. And that the impact and difference that you can make in our world as we experience each other together and you together is beyond words. And so God, I pray that, it, it, that we would just become even a glimpse of what we see when we look at that first century church that Man, they were so committed to each other and shared and ensured no one had need and, and loved each other and held each other accountable. And I mean, the outside community looked on and said, man, I want to be a part of that. That's so attractive. It's so enticing. Whatever's going on there, it reflects the spirit of Jesus. God, help us to be that kind of community, that kind of church. We pray this in your name. Amen.
Uh, hopefully when you walked in, you did get one of these um, communion cups and wafers. I think this is the first time I actually picked one up before I came in here. I'm always the person that raises their hand asking for another one, but today I actually got one. But you know, as I was thinking about the Lord's Supper communion today, and you might want to peel back that top layer. It's always a little bit tricky. Um, I, it occurred to me, you know, every family has traditions, right? Uh, practices that sort of define who they are. And often these traditions and practices kind of have a way of bonding families together. Did you have any of those when you were growing up? Maybe a tradition or a, a practice that your family did together that sort of brought you together, kind of bonded you in a, in a certain way? Well, our family, this kingdom community, the church has traditions too. And I think you could argue that maybe the most meaningful one is the moment when we come together to celebrate this right here, communion, the Lord's Supper. And the Apostle Paul reflected back on when Jesus first established this tradition, and, and he spoke of it this way. The Apostle Paul says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And this is my favorite part. He said, For when you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so when we do this, when we act on this tradition, this practice of eating the bread and drinking the cup, we're saying again, yep, Jesus, you are who you say you are. You died, you lived, you died, you came back to life to offer us forgiveness and the opportunity to experience a community that you can't find anywhere else. And so communion is a time when we sort of symbolically gather around the family table to remember what unites us, the body and the blood of Jesus. Jesus, our anchor, our rock, our cornerstone upon which our family is built. Not any person, it's on Jesus and Jesus alone. So if you would take that wafer out and let's together um, celebrate the body of Christ. And if you want to pull back that next layer and hold the cup. And together, let's celebrate the, the blood of Christ. Again, Father, we thank you. Thank you for this little meal that you established through Jesus. And Lord, we proclaim your death, your resurrection, your life. And we pray this in your name. Amen.